0: Well, good morning again. Great time of worship. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We are continuing our series in 1 Peter. I'm going to read verses 17 to 21 and uh, see what God has to say to us here this morning from this passage. Amazing passage. 1 Peter 1, 17 to 21. And if you call on him as father but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Father, we just sung the the, the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Father, we sung it No doubt many hearts here were moved by that truth, by singing those very words. The Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us His precious blood. God, I pray that this morning as we open up Your Word that You would unfold this for us. Have it go deep down into our hearts. That it would be more than words that we sing. It'd be something that impacts us at a deep level so that it affects the way that we live moment by moment, day by day. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter is a book that is an amazing book. And um, 1 Peter, like really like the entire Bible, is concerned with more than just what you believe, more than just what you sing about, more than just what you confess with your lips. All of that stuff is really important, right? We want to we believe true things. We want to sing true things. We want to confess with our lips true things. But more than that, we want to live in light of these true things. We want our lives to bear witness that what we believe has gone deep into us. It's not just up here in our brains, but it's down like in the command control center of our hearts. And it's affecting the way that we are living Peter's very concerned with how we live in this world, how we live now in this world with this life that we've been given. Whether you're given 30 years or 60 years or 103 years, the time that you're given in this world, every moment of it as a redeemed child of God matters. And Peter wants us to live in a manner that shows that it matters, and that we are aware that it matters. So, if I were to, if I were to sum up these verses, I, w- I would sum it up like this: You and I are to live the remainder of our lives on planet Earth in fear, because we know that we've been massively saved. Does anybody? find that hard to understand. I kind of did. Fear because we've been saved? That seems strange. So let me say it again. Live the remainder of your life in fear, knowing that you have been saved. This seems like somewhat of a strange statement, but that's what Peter says. Look at the second part of verse 17 into verse 18. Conduct yourselves with fear. Throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed. Stop there. Conduct yourselves with fear during the time of your exile. Throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed. Live in fear. Conduct yourselves with fear. That's what he's saying. In fact, I think that's the main point Peter wants to get across here is conduct yourselves with fear. The remainder of your life, right? The remainder of your life throughout the time of your exile. Peter calls you and I as believers and the the people he's writing to originally back in the first century, exiles. Remember in verse one, when he says, I am Peter, I'm an apostle, and I'm writing to a group of people called elect exiles. They're elect, they're chosen by God before the foundation of the world, but they are exiles. They're exiles in this world. They're exiles now in this world. An exile is someone who is In a foreign land, longing to be back in their homeland, or longing to be in their homeland. And that's the way you and I are described in the book of 1 Peter, and not just 1 Peter. Throughout much of the New Testament, you and I are exiles. So so for the remainder of your life, as long as you are in exile, which is your entire life on planet Earth, conduct yourselves with fear. The New American Standard Bible says, during the time of your stay on Earth kind of gives us that idea. As long as we are on earth, we are exiles. And as long as we are, we are on earth, Peter wants us to conduct ourselves with fear. And then knowing that you've been so wonderfully saved. Now, Peter doesn't use the word saved, but he says, knowing that you were ransomed. <clears throat> knowing that you were ransomed. In fact, I would say the whole way we understand how we conduct ourselves with fear now as exiles depends on how we know, whether or not we know that we have been ransomed I would say it all hangs on this: conduct yourselves with fear, knowing that you 've been ransomed, knowing that you were ransomed. Our response all hangs on knowing something, namely knowing that we were Ransomed, knowing that we have been ransomed. This is massive. This is huge. So Peter's concerned with how we live, but how we live depends on what we know, right? And not just what we know in our brains, not just what we can recite to somebody else, but what we know in our heads as truth and how it works its way down into our hearts and works its way out in our lives. And that's what Peter is interested here in. So before we jump in, you guys know what the word ransom means, I think, most. Maybe some kids here aren't really sure exactly what ransom means. A ransom is someone obtaining freedom by means of a payment. Okay? So there's a princess. This beautiful princess. And some evil dudes come and Kidnap the princess and take her away to a far land. And they send the letter back to the princess's father, the king, and says, if you give me $10 million, we will, as a ransom, we will give you, your daughter, the princess, back. The, the money sent. The princess is released. That's what a ransom is. It's to be ransomed is to be paid for and by means of that payment to be liberated or freed. You and I, as children of God... As elect exiles, as chosen people of God before the foundation of the world, if you believe in Christ, that's you, we have been ransomed, right? Elect exiles. Verse 3 says, God, the Father, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. If you have been born again to a living hope, then you have been ransomed. It's interesting that Peter uses the past tense, like the perfect tense, saying you were ransomed. You were ransomed. He's not saying you are being ransomed, like presently, like God is working to try to ransom us. He's saying you were ransomed. He's not saying if you conduct yourselves with fear, you will be ransomed. He's saying conduct yourselves with fear because you already have been ransomed. So, this text is saying something has already happened, a ransom. And when we know it, it will have a deep impact on us. The word know in the Bible is much more than just the way we use it. Like, right, you uh, take a test in school and you know the right answer. You maybe just cram the night before. That's what I did a lot. So I could do okay on the test at least. So I knew the right answer in the Bible to know is to know in our minds, certainly, and also in our affections, in our hearts and in our wills so that it changes the way that we live. So all of this hinges on knowing that you are ransomed, knowing that we have been ransomed, So that's what I want to spend some time talking about. And then at the end, I want to connect this to what does it mean? What does it mean to live in fear then? Because I have a feeling some see incongruency there, inconsistency there. And I don't blame you, but we're going to get there in a bit. So ransomed, you have been ransomed knowing that you've been ransomed. First notice what you were ransomed from. Notice what you're ransomed from. In verse 18, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. You were ransomed from the futile ways, the useless, meaningless, pathetic, pointless, purposeless ways inherited from your forefathers. Now, some might think that Peter's addressing mostly Jewish people, but he probably isn't. Remember, J- Peter's writing from Rome. He's writing to those who are under the Roman Empire, scattered in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia, which is modern-day Turkey. So he's more than likely writing, at least largely, to people who have come out of paganism. Not Judaism, but paganism. So they have all these strange ancestry worship, ancestral worship beliefs and practices. And Peter's saying, you have been ransomed from that. You've been pulled out of your idolatry, your false worship, your pagan practices, and every other pointless thing you inherited from your ancestors. You've been pulled out of it. All the stuff you inherited from your grandfather and your great-grandfather and your parents and all of that, you've been pulled, all the pointless stuff, right? You've been pulled out of that. You've been freed from that. You've been ransomed from that several years back i knew a group of people that had this certain fascination and i really think their intentions were good they wanted to help people but they would they they wanted the way they wanted to help people was they wanted to gather get a bunch of people around this person and try to figure out all of the sins that are in their line if i can put it that way their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents maybe aunts and uncles and all this other stuff And they wanted to, because they wanted to, they, they thought maybe if we find out what is in their history, in their family history, we could discover why there's this continual problem with this sin now. Interestingly enough, there is an entire discipleship program based largely on this premise. You need to dig back into your forefathers' history and their lives to discover the feudal ways. When Peter here is saying, that believers in Jesus Christ have already been ransomed from these things? Already been ransomed from them. Perhaps you have thought at different times, I wonder if I struggle with this because I have a grandfather or a great-grandfather or something like that that struggled with this too. Maybe you thought, I struggle with fear and anxiety because my mom always worried. She's a worry wart. Or I'm, I struggle with I outbursts of anger because my dad did. Listen, you need to hear this today. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been ransomed from these things. You have been pulled out of these things. Now, there's, 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 there's sanctification for all of us, for all different kinds of things. But you have been ransomed from every. Feudal way handed down from your fathers. Everyone here has been, if you're a believer in Christ. Christ has ransomed you from these things. Now, some of you, I, I hope, I trust, I pray, can leave here today with a weight lifted off of you because you've been living under this burden for a long time. That you are the way you are. You struggle with the sins you struggle with. You struggle with the fears you struggle with because it was handed down. Christ has canceled it. You have been redeemed. Titus 2.14 talks about how we've been redeemed from all lawlessness. And by the blood of Christ, he has purchased for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works redeemed from lawlessness, redeemed from futility, redeemed from all the ways that you've inherited from your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and everyone else that is not God, redeemed from all these things. And now Christ has done that to make you a person who has great zeal for good works. So you have been ransomed from futility meaninglessness, pagan worship, all of that, all the things handed down from you from your parents and grandparents that are not of God, you've been ransomed from these things. Notice next what you've been ransomed with. Verse 19 goes on to tell us what we've been ransomed with knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. You were ransomed not with perishable things like silver or gold. In our world now, when it comes to precious stones, silver and gold is about as durable as it gets, right? These things stand the test of time. And In fact, lots of... Um, Lots of financial experts suggest, hey, it's probably a good idea to own some silver or gold in case the dollar goes kaput, right? Because you'll have something of intrinsic value. Peter's saying, you weren't ransomed with something like this. You weren't ransomed with silver or gold because even silver and gold, these things are perishable. These things will go away someday. These things will die. These things are not durable enough to secure our ransom, Neither are they precious enough. All the money in the world, all the money in the world could not secure your ransom. Your debt was too big. Your sin too deep. Your rebellion too strong. The stain of sin was too radical. You needed something more than merely silver or gold. And even all the silver and gold in the world, you needed something more than that. And not just you, but me too. We have been re- ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. We sang just a bit ago, when the prince of life, our ransom. I can't help but think the writer of that song was thinking of 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Our ransom payment was the death of Jesus Christ. Our ransom payment was the death of Jesus Christ. If a princess is kidnapped, the ransom payment's high because the king has plenty of cash. Your ransom payment and my ransom payment was too big for money. It required the death of Jesus Christ. It required the blood of God himself in the flesh. Nothing else would do but Christ knew this was his mission, didn't he? Jesus knew this was his mission. Mark ten forty five. Jesus says the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He didn't come so that you could serve him or you and I could serve him or his disciples could serve him. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Christ was very aware this was his mission. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, testifies of Christ purchasing his people, the church, when he says he obtained the church with his own blood. That was the ransom payment. Nothing else would satisfy. Nothing else could pay. Nothing else could satisfy the requirement that was needed. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Next, check out who you were ransomed by. Who you were ransomed by. So, okay, we've been ransomed from. The feudal ways inherited from our forefathers, we've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus, precious blood of Christ. Notice who we've been ransomed by. Well, we know it's Jesus, right? But verse 20 expounds on who Jesus is. This verse is amazing. Look at verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. You've been ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He, namely Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in time for the sake of you. The fact that Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, this word foreknown is a very intimate word. It's a very intimate word. Back in, at the beginning of chapter one, when Peter's addressing his audience, he calls them elect exiles. And then he says, according to the foreknowledge of God, the father. And the fact that you and I are elect exiles according to God's foreknowledge, the father's foreknowledge means that not that God foreknew things that we would do, but that God, the father foreknew us in a saving, loving way before the foundation of the world. In a similar way, the Father foreknew Jesus before the foundation of the world. There was this loving fellowship between the Father and the Son from all eternity. And in particular, the Father loved the Son for what he knew the Son would do on our behalf, namely ransom us. He loved his Son and the thing he would do to mediate between God and man between us and God. Of course, the fact that Jesus is foreknown before the foundation of the world points to his true identity as God, that he is eternally God, so that when we think of Christ on the cross, we don't just think of a mere man, but we think of God hanging on the cross, pouring out his blood for us, but then the second phrase, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, the second phrase, but he was made manifest in the last times for you, means that he became man. This glorious condescension of God. God who is transcendent, who is high above you and I. And when we compare ourselves to other people or even to other creatures, right, if we were to compare ourselves to a worm, right, we would say we are far more valuable than a worm, right? There is no comparison even with human beings and God. God is infinitely higher than human beings. And yet he condescended and became a man. He became just like you and I, put on flesh. And why? For the sake of you, for your salvation, in order to be the son of man who gives his life as a ransom for many. You were ransomed by Jesus Christ. Not some flower child kind of guy walking around the first century with sandals and robe and stuff like that, but he is the God-man. Jesus is the God-man. First Timothy 2.5 says there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's who you were ransomed by. Do you believe that? Finally, check out, notice who you are ransomed to. Okay, so we are ransomed from futility. We are ransomed um, by the precious blood of Christ. We are ransomed or, um, with the precious blood of Christ by Jesus Christ, the God-man. We are ransomed to, verse 21 says, Jesus came in these last times for us who through him, who through Christ are believers in God the Father. Who through Christ are believers in God the Father. It is through Jesus that we come to believe in and know and fellowship with God as Father. That's the most amazing reality in the entire universe. That God is our Father. That he is our Father. (laughs) Now some here perhaps have have. When you think of father, you think of your father. You're like, that. you struggle with this. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is good. He's the, one, he's the one that put Jesus up to this plan, right? It was the father's plan that Jesus carried out in order to ransom us. He is a good and gracious and loving father. Peter describes the mission of Christ as one to connect sinful people back to God in verse, 1 Timothy 3.18, when he says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, namely Christ, righteous for the unrighteous, you and me, right? In order that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered in the flesh once for sins. The, unright, the righteous Jesus Christ, perfectly righteous. He became unrighteousness for us so that in him we might become righteousness and be connected back to our Father in heaven. Jesus of, of himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Most people just think no one goes to heaven apart from Jesus. That's true. But Jesus puts it this way, no one comes to the Father But by me. Jesus ransoms us with his blood in order to bring us home to God the Father. So we've been ransomed from futility with precious blood by Jesus Christ the God man to God the Father. And knowing this, how should we live? With fear. Okay, that's strange. You might think, I thought this was to relieve us of all fears. And in a sense, it does, doesn't it? It relieves us of the fear of judgment and God's wrath. It relieves us of the fear of death. It relieves us of the fear of an unknown future. All of these things. It relieves us of all of these fears, but in another sense, it produces in us when we know this. <clears throat> so Peter says, knowing that you've been ransomed, and don't nod your head, don't raise your hand, do you know you've been ransomed? Maybe, maybe some came in here and you are not connected to Jesus through faith. You've never trusted in him and you can today and you can know that this truth is true concerning you, you can walk out of here, I'm ransomed, I am free. He did this all, he did this for me. And do you know that you've been ransomed? If you've been ransomed, live the rest of your life in fear. What does this mean? Well, I want to give a, one general broad statement, and then, I want to, and then I want to say it in three different ways, Okay. If you've been ransomed by the blood of Jesus, here's the general statement. Fear, right? Conduct yourselves with fear for the rest of your lives. If you've been ransomed, then fear wasting the life God has given you. Fear wasting life. <clears throat> Whether you're nine, the youngest, some of the youngest in here, or you're 69, wherever you are in life, the remainder of your time on earth, that's what Peter's talking about, right? Throughout the rest of your exile, fear wasting your life. There's lots of ways we can do that. Let me, say, let me say that just a little dif- differently in three ways. okay I think all of these can go back up to that overarching don't waste your, fear wasting the life God has given you. but let me first, fear living with no purpose. you have been ransomed from futility you 've been ransomed from vanity. so fear living a vain and futile life <clears throat> Saving Private Ryan, a great movie. Um, don't suggest kids watch it at all. It's a great movie. Um, the, the movie starts with this older man walking through the Normandy American um, Memorial, this big grave site in Normandy, where all these Americans died. And they're buried there, or at least there's a, there's a grave site for them if they didn't find their bodies. And... Um, and it's this old man, and, and, he, and he's stumbling across, emotional, and then, and, then it, and then it jumps into the movie, into the battle scenes, etc. And then at the very end, it comes back to this man. He's Private Ryan. The movie's about uh, a mission that some guys set out on, right? Because the Joint Chief said, you've got to get this guy out because three of his brothers had died. They didn't want to send a fourth letter to this family that had already lost their other three sons. So We've got to get Private Ryan out. The movie's about this mission to save this young man. At the end is this older man, it's Private Ryan, maybe 75, 80 years old, over this tombstone, weeping. And it's over the tombstone of the man who led the mission, Captain Miller, who's played by Tom Hanks. His wife, his grown children, and a couple of his grandchildren are with him. He turns to his wife and says, tell me I've lived a good life. Ever seen that? He says, tell me I'm a good man. (laughs) There's an instinct in you and I and every one of us, we want our lives to count. We don't want to get to the end of our lives and say, I didn't do anything of value. I lived only for myself. It's only about extending and expanding my kingdom We all long to live a life that matters. What ultimately determines that, though? God does. And what God sees as important, what God has defined as a life that matters. And here's what I want you to get right now, okay? Hopefully you get more than just this, but I really want you to get this, all right? You exist... For God, you belong to him. You don't belong mainly to your spouse or to your parents or to your children or to yourself. You exist for God. We belong to him. And that can be a really hard thing. It can be an extremely liberating thing as well. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's a, it's a confession of faith written about 400 years ago. It asks this question, what is the chief end of man? The answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Is that anywhere on your radar that that's what you exist for? That that is the highest end for which you can live. I realize to glorify God, that's abstract, right? We need to figure out how that hits the ground where we live, all of that. But is that anywhere on your radar? It isn't for the vast majority of people living around us. The world tells you the point of life is to get ahead in the world. When I was graduating from high school, everyone said, you've got to get a college degree to help you get ahead in the world. Nothing wrong with a college degree. It's probably a really good thing, right? might help you. And there's a good way to understand getting ahead in the world, right? Getting a job, all of that, whatever. But just that idea of getting ahead in the world. Really? Getting ahead in the world? C.T. Studd wrote a poem. All All the stanzas end with this line. One life to live, soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm 38. Just 20 years ago, I graduated from high school. It seems like it was yesterday. Uh, Maybe like last week. Maybe six months ago. You you get the point. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. It's going fast. Some of you that are 50, 60, even more so. It seems like I was just 20. So fear, living with no purpose. Second, fear regarding the blood of Jesus as a cheap thing. Fear regarding the blood of Jesus as a cheap thing. You have been ransomed, not with perishable things, but with imperishable, the precious blood of Christ. you could have a billion dollars set before you it doesn't compare to the value the infinite value of the blood of Jesus Christ that's what you've been ransomed with fear fear regarding that as a cheap thing as something of very little significance the Moravians were an early protestant missionary group (coughs) There's a story that goes like this. There are two young Moravian missionaries. They really wanted, they longed to take the gospel to what is present day, like St. Thomas and St. Croix, some of the Caribbean islands, where, the, where, where African slaves were taken. They wanted to take the gospel there. There was no way for them to get there because only slaves could go there. Only, only, slave, uh, only slave, ship, slave ships would only take slaves there. And so these two young men sold themselves into slavery to go there, to bring the gospel there. As the the, the ship was leaving shore, these two young men raised their hands to their brothers back on the shore. You know what they said? They didn't say, pray for us, brothers. They could have, fine. Hopefully they were getting prayer. They said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Has the lamb received the reward of his sufferings in our life? And I don't mean by that, are you earning it? I don't mean that. I mean, are you echoing what the Bible says about you now? 1 Corinthians 6. I've been bought with a price. I am not my own. I belong to another. He has purchased me. I belong to him now. Do you say to the Lord Jesus, and say this right now, if you're bearing witness, say this to him, even if you're like, I don't know what this means, I don't know what this means tomorrow, it's okay, he'll figure it out. Say to him right now, Lord Jesus, I want all that you bled and died to obtain for me, all that you bled and died to give me. Fear regarding the blood of Jesus as nothing more than a ticket to heaven. And you can just kind of live the way you want now. The problem is, if that's the way you view it, it's a cheap thing. You're, you're regarding it as a cheap thing, and you will find out it's not a ticket to heaven. Finally, fear treating God the Father like a nobody. Nobody. Verse 17, the first phrase of our passage for this morning says, and if you call on him as father, do you call on him as father? Do you call on him as father? Has Jesus brought you to the father? Fear treating your father as though he were not your father. Fear treating, fear acting like an orphan as though you have no father. Fear Living as though you were unloved and uncared for, like an orphan. Just kicked to the curb. Fear living like that. Jesus says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. How did he come to us? By the spirit. What is the spirit? The spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, by which we cry out to God, Abba, Father, Father. Fear living as though God is not your father. Fear living like he is a boss. Or a nobody. Or the warden of an orphanage. He is your father. Ephesians 5, 1 says, be imitators of God. That's how we want to conduct our lives in the world, right? Imitating God. Be imitators of God. Here's how it finishes. As beloved children. You and I, at one time, were enslaved to sin. False gods. False worship. A life of utter futility without any hope. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit planned before the foundation of the world what to do. In time... About 2,000 years ago, the Son of God was sent. He was made manifest. He was sent by the Father. He took on flesh. He became just like us. He lived a life of unblemished and spotless perfection. The life that you and I were supposed to live, but never could. He willingly offered up himself as a sacrifice his precious blood was poured out, right? The, his blood dripping down his head, out of his hands and feet, gushing out of his side. His life was laid down. This was the ransom payment required to free you from all of your captors, from all those that enslaved you, all those things that enslaved you. And this was the ransom payment required to bring us home to the Father. Forgiven, loved, adopted, with full rights of sons, with an inheritance rich and secure in Christ. And utterly, because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, which means it cannot change, utterly delighted in by the Father. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we wouldn't waste our lives, God. I pray that we would conduct our lives with fear in the right kind of way because we are so taken up with, so amazed by the ransom that you paid. We've been saved, we've been ransomed from futility. Our rebellion, all the false gods that we hoped in that always let us down, we're ransomed from those things. We're ransomed with precious blood by our Savior, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And Father, we were ransomed to you, our Father, forever. Nothing can change this. Father, I pray we would know it and we'd live our lives in light of it. For the glory of your name, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.